Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the New Normal Podcast with Lee and Chantel. What's Hello, going on, Chantel. everybody. So Elon Musk just bought 9% of Twitter stock, <laughs> which makes him the biggest shareholder of Twitter. Okay, so he bought the most Twitter stock. So he has control over what he's saying and doesn't need to be censored anymore? No, he doesn't. He has, uh, like overall, he has only 9%. But then, uh, like, relatively individual person, he has the most stocks. Does that make sense? Yeah. But then overall, if they were to put into a vote, they the other people still have 90% to vote against him. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, but he just casually dropped $3 billion to buy the stock. Jeez. In the, industry, in the industry, we have three sayings for that. What? Is um, if you are the biggest gorilla in the room, sometimes you want to let people know that you're that gorilla. Whoa. Or is Elon Musk just walked into the room with his big, big ass dicks swinging around. What the heck? <laughs> or the third saying is, what's the point having fuck you money if you don't say fuck you once in a while? Okay. <laughs> Where do you come up with this stuff? <laughs> <laughs> it's a uh, crowd wisdom. It's the sayings in the industry. Okay. But anyways. <laughs> yeah, Sounds so, like you uh, came up with this shit. So the primary reason he did it is because of free speech. Uh, he sent out a Twitter poll a few days before he bought a stock. And he said, um, oh, what, what do you guys think? Uh, like Twitter now is a platform for speech. Do you guys think they're doing a good job moderating free speech? And be careful with your vote because the consequence is going to be big. Mm-hmm. Something to that effect. And like 70% people saying they didn't do a good job. And a few days later, they announced that he bought Twitter stocks. Mm-hmm. But the thing with successful smart people is they all try a lot of things when when uh, elon musk bought bitcoin everybody's like oh elon musk is all in bitcoin he must have done all the research but then he didn't he just bought some bitcoin to see what's going on and later on he was like oh bitcoin consumed too much energy so he he shifted away from it Hmm. so so just because he bought sold his bitcoin Hmm. No, he doesn't need to. He, he has more money than he has a use for. Oh. And um, yeah, so when he bought Twitter, I th- I think very strong possibility is just he just casually doing it to keep tabs on what's going on. He doesn't necessarily have to have a stance. Hmm. Yeah. Everybody's like, oh, he's trying to take over Twitter. You know, I don't know. And um, and uh, yeah, he. I I'm pretty sure he called uh, Jack Dorsey, who was a previous uh, Twitter CEO. They probably discussed it. Most people don't know that Jack Dorsey, the previous CEO, only has two percent of Twitter. two oh. percent stock. That's why he got kicked out essentially. He said he resigned with like politics, you know. Mm. This just goes to show titles don't matter. Money don't matter. Fame don't matter. What matters is ownership. If you don't have ownership, you don't have power. Most people are like, you know, they look up to the people who are CEOs and stuff because the title is so shiny. But then I look at the people who have ownership and I secretly have ownership. But okay, anyway. flex real quick. 
But anyway, so <laughs> I'm, I said all of that to say that uh, Elon Musk, just because Elon Musk bought some doesn't mean he necessarily wants to get, to get involved. Yeah. And um, Twitter, after he bought it, a few days later, Twitter invited him to their board of directors. And a lot of people are saying, oh, they're welcoming Elon Musk with open arms and all these things. But what they don't know is that to get him into become the board of directors, they can put restrictions on him. And one of them is if he's a board of director, he cannot buy uh, Twitter shares for more than 15%. So they, they essentially took put him on the board and say, hey, don't, you know, buy 50% and start outvoting everybody and make all the decisions. Yeah. Kind of like keep control over him. Which just blew up. Breaking news a few hours ago, Elon Musk just announced that he refused uh, to join the board. And now we don't know what's going to happen with that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's why I'm saying that, you know, he just wants to take control and doesn't want to be censored. Yeah, but not only he doesn't want to be censored, he wants to have a free speech platform. Yeah. He said uh, when he sent a bunch of Starlings to Ukraine, a lot of people are saying Russia was sending propaganda to their internet. And they told Elon Musk to censor them. And Elon Musk said, no. He said, I'm a freedom speech maximalist. So whether it's propaganda or not, I'm not censoring anybody. Hmm. So he has a very strong stance on, on, on censorship and freedom of speech. See, I feel like this is really connected to the Joe Rogan stuff, which no one is even talking about anymore. <laughs> Just like it blew up one second. Two second, three second, five second, it's gone again. Like, who cares? Yeah. So, yeah. So I think it, because of this board thing, it, it seems like it's going to be very uh, big struggle over power, over influence. But um, if he does get involved, if he it thinks. Uh, go Elon Musk's way, I think he has a way bigger vision for that, for just to keep himself not get censored. Yeah, of course. So the first step, I think his vision is to improve on the platform and add a bunch of features that makes it better. And, and then there's also the, the next level possibility of him converting or transforming the platform into something that's almost like an identity mm. like this is what he was trying to do he he um he uh started a company called x.com and later he, he emerged into paypal and this is what he was trying to do it was essentially the advanced version of email. You know how now through email, you can deposit money in directly into other people's email. Yeah. He essentially was trying to do that, but mm -hmm. like 20 years ago with the, with the, with his company. But if he, if everything goes his way, I think that's where he wants to take Twitter is later on. If you want to show your identity, you just, need to show your Twitter account. If you send some people money, you can just send it to their Twitter account. If you want to uh, contact somebody, you just contact through their Twitter. Like make it essentially the virtual identity of you. And you can do everything through this, the one account instead of, you know, you, you got to know have a bank draft. You got to have a different social media account. You got to have all of these separate things. Yeah. You, yeah, that's what that's where I think he would want to take it, but it seems like it's a there's a lot of resentment from both the board and the employees within Twitter against him. Hmm. Dude, so don't, don't you think this this poses a like a 
security threat and liability risk. For what? If, <laughs> let's say, Twitter is a centralized location for all, uh, like, account profiles and accounts and all that stuff. That's what we have today with the government. The government has your you know, driver's license and birth certificates and all of these things. And government, the government's technology is way outdated. It's way more insecure in government's hands than in Elon Musk's hands. Yeah, I'm currently a public service employee. I'm not going to comment on anything. They, when uh, Elon Musk sent Starlink to Russia, he tweeted two days later, he said Russian hackers are trying to hack into the system and trying to jam the system, but we just sent an update, it's fixed it. We just fixed it, and I'm curious to see what they come up with next. Hmm. So what they have is like it takes an entire country to concentrate their hacking power into hacking their into the system it still doesn't work so i think with what the technology elon musk possesses it's gonna it's way more secure than the information being anywhere else including in banks your information are all in banks and banks don't want you to notice but they lose hundreds of millions of dollars every year due to hacking. Mm. You know, Because these people are not in the tech business. They're in the banking business. So their tech is not the elite of the elite. It should be then. Mm. Well, like uh, old, there's a book about innovation that just basically said, if innovation comes along, all old companies are going to fail without exception because when a company gets old and big, they, it's impossible for them to change. So it's uh, whether it's a bank or it's a government or it's, it's a company, it's a legacy car company, a legacy media. It's a pretty easy common sense for people to point at all the car companies, what they should do, all the banks, what they should do but they can never do it. Yeah. So, yeah. So another thing happened this week with Elon Musk is uh, he just opened the factory in Texas. Oh yeah. Rodeo. Yeah. And he gave a little speech, which. Did you watch the whole thing? It's like three hours, right? No, no, no. It was like 10 minutes or something, 20 minutes. Oh. Yeah. I, I don't know how much information other people don't know, but everything he said, I already knew. He just confirmed what I knew. So I don't know what I should talk about. Okay, okay. Clearly the biggest fanboy of uh, Tesla and Elon Musk. No, 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 no. Not fanboy. The most informed shareholder. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So basically he just said, he just confirmed that they're going to kill it with manufacturing. They're going to kill it with profit margin. They are going to scale big this year. They're going to drop um, autonomous driving beta to every person in North America. And then they're going to drop a big wave of new products next year, including roaster, cyber truck, semi truck, and the robot. So, Hold on, Roadster is a small one, right? Roadster is, um, yeah, it's like a sports car. But it's small. It's not that small. It's like a, it's a Ferrari size, kind of. But it's but, like... But it's a two-seater. I think it has like two small hidden seats in the back. Like, you know the one that you have to... Okay, so it's a two-door, two-seater type yeah. four-seater maybe yeah like technically it's four-seater but it's like the, the yeah. two seats in the back are hella small okay because my point is i want a smaller car tesla vehicle and that's probably the closest thing we're going to get to it right now so no, but, I, wink, wink. but that one <laughs> but that one is the fastest and 
the most most expensive. Oh, I don't need the fastest, and I definitely don't need the most expensive. Yeah, and he he has been saying this. He didn't really confirm this, but he's been saying consistently that they're gonna put a space ass space x package like space s space x <laughs> space x yeah no, basically okay we're gonna put a <laughs> rocket small rocket in the back of the car so that the car can float cheese yeah it's, it doesn't sound like your type of car is too dangerous <laughs> no it's gonna it's gonna fly away kind of don't need that right now okay anything uh any questions, any comments about that? Well, I just think that's pretty cool. Um, I just really want to talk about the 20 times and the 1% global output right now. Okay. So go ahead, say that part. <laughs> so they have 1% of market share uh, of global. all the cars. Actually, I don't think it's market share, maybe. I think it's all of the cars global, yeah global output all of the cars that exist right now something yeah. to that effect but then they sold a million cars last year and it's one percent of all the cars and his goal is to take it to 20 percent, which is 20 million cars a year which means which means what that there is 20 times the growth forecast mm. Yeah, maybe it depends because there are so many things, right? Um, I just watched uh, a guy who went to Tesla, Texas factory rodeo thing. And what he was saying is like 20x is a, is like a, is a, a better case scenario. Because Robo taxi is gonna be, is gonna change the entire thing. You know, okay, explain Musk, explain Robo taxi and all this stuff. Yeah, and also Elon Musk said during the rodeo that he's gonna build a, a dedicated Robo taxi fleet. Essentially, it's just Uber without drivers. And the biggest two costs to Uber is the driver and the gas. So if they put out a bunch of cars that have no driver and they don't need to fill gas, they're gonna make all of the profits and it's forever, it's reoccurring. So if they make a robo taxi happen, it will be an easy 40, 50 X. And that's not to mention there's the energy part of the business there's, there's solar panels and the batteries. And then there's, on top of all of that, there's the robot that could change the whole thing. So yeah, basic math is if they were strictly limited to being a car company and they achieve 20%, they will go from, you know, 1% to 20%, they will 20X. Yeah. That's the basics of it. Yeah. Which I understand. So right now I'm focused on collecting my capital so I can purchase more <laughs> Tesla shares. Because also I'm looking forward to a stock split. And so I'm probably going to double my current single digit stocks. To you're gonna double, double digit it. Stocks. You're gonna double it from low single digit to a high single digit. <laughs> I always get attacked on the podcast. Actually, I always get attacked in real life too. Lee's form of entertainment, but also like it's fine because. No, I'm joking. But <laughs> take that right real quick. But also, yeah. But it's the same thing though. It doesn't really matter. I know it doesn't matter that much, but it just allows me to purchase more stock. Okay, unlike it's some people who can just purchase many stocks at a time. It's like having a pizza. If you have a large pizza, you cut it to four slices versus you cut it to eight slices. You're not going to be like, oh, I doubled my pizza. <laughs> the same pizza, same large pizza. Yes, this is true. This is true. 
Yeah. But yeah. So I'm looking forward to that and um, we'll see how that goes because I'm in the long game. So even if I were to purchase these stocks now, probably won't take it out until like 20 years later. So we'll see. Ah, uh, well, not 20, probably like at least 10 years. We'll see. Yeah. And more importantly is the learning you're going to have along the way. Yes. So like even the, now, even with the low single digit stocks that I have, yeah. way to oust me all the time. But like, I still go through up the ups and downs. Like when the stock loses like 7%, I still be watching it. You know, when it goes up, like however many percent, I still be watching too. Like I still get down and I still get excited when the stock has some movement. It's just like something to look forward to. I don't yeah, know. It's fun. That, that part is not very useful. But it's not use useful, but it's I still feel like I'm, you know, I'm but the use the useful part is you feel like you are uh, involved. So you yeah. look into the company, follow the business more closely than you otherwise would. And then you yeah, learn a lot about business. Yeah. Like how I knew about Elon Musk and Twitter board before you did, because I have my notifi notifications up. <laughs> it's just because you're more glued to the to your phone than me. No, this is not this is not correct at all. <laughs> I think out of like a lot of girls, I am not so social media driven. And I've learned to be not that way because of you, maybe like, I don't know, different times in my life now. And I'm just not glued to my phone like that. I just don't care because I'm like <laughs> secure and not being part of it. Yeah. So like a lot of people when uh, like Apple came out, um, they didn't buy it. And then now Apple is like, um, like an expensive stock. They're like, oh, I missed out. So there's no point in being in the stock market. I missed out on Apple. No, and, then, and then they saw Amazon. Yeah. And then they missed again. And they're like, oh, there's no, there's even more no point. And then it's, it's going to keep happening. There's going to be the next thing that's going to be bigger than Tesla that people who, who are thinking, oh, I missed out on Tesla. I'm just going to wait for the next thing. But then when it comes, they're going to miss it again because they never learned about it. Whereas you don't have to get rich off of Tesla stock, but it's through it, you learn a lot of uh, knowledge and experience. And the next, when the next big business comes up, you'll be able to understand it, identify it more accurately, uh, more accurately mm -hmm. or earlier than other people. That's the whole point. The whole point is not everything you buy, you get rich off of this, but everything you try, everything you do, you learn something from it. Then the knowledge you accumulate and then the knowledge is what's going to get you rich. Yeah. Just like I said earlier, rich people or successful people, they try a bunch of things. I don't you know. In earlier episodes? No, no, no. Just earlier. This. Oh, this episode. Yeah. yeah. I said, uh, Elon Musk bought Twitter, but then what people don't know is like he does a lot of things like this. He bought Bitcoin. He bought like, you know, not only him, but all the successful people. That's how mm -hmm. they become successful. I don't know a single person who became success successful just by doing one thing. They never tried anything. They never failed in anything. It doesn't happen. Yeah. So, yeah. So no, now, I said I look forward to it. So, yeah. So let's transition from away from business news to sports. <laughs> UFC. What UFC? Oh man. Let me let me look look it up. What's what's the number? Do you know? Do you I can't know? remember. Okay. It's the UFC. main point of watching it is actually sure. Do your rundown. So UFC 273 just happened. Yeah. And uh, did you watch the Mackenzie Dern fight? I watched like part of it because uh, we were watching like hockey. Oh, you were watching hockey? Yeah, because Canucks was playing. <laughs> and, then, and then my brother was trying to figure out how to purchase UFC. Because it's okay. a whole thing. So, anyways, 
No, I did not watch it. So you didn't see oh. her um, jujitsu? Mm, I saw a little bit of it, but I couldn't really remember. That's the thing is I couldn't really yeah. comment. Basically, she's like the queen of jujitsu. She has won multiple world titles. Mm. She's like one of the best uh, pure jujitsu females out there. And in the fight, she just tried very hard to get her jujitsu off. Mm. And the other girl defended really well, didn't get submitted. And she ended up winning a decision. Mackenzie Dern, the jujitsu girl. Yeah, that's the the like very probably the last round, few minutes of the last round is what I watched. Mm. Yeah. But what I found is um since we started doing jujitsu now. I, I find watching jujitsu to, to be more entertaining than before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like, I kind of understand what they're trying to do and what they're trying to get at, you know, yeah. what, what's positions is more offensive. What's defensive. Like, yeah, it's like before I kind of got frustrated a little bit when people seeing people just trying to grab all the time. Yeah. I'm like, just fight. <laughs> Why are you trying to grab the other person? But now I kind of like understand. takedowns, you mean? Grab as in takedowns? Like, why are they doing takedowns? Not necessarily takedowns. Like, 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 the thing with grappling is, like, there's jujitsu. Yeah. 99% of jujitsu people learn jujitsu from the ground. Like, they start off light, lying on their back. Yeah. So that they actually don't know takedowns. Mm. And then, and then, but they're good at being on the ground, but they don't know how to take them down. So it's this awkward middle ground of them just trying to grab the other person all the time, trying to get them to the ground and they don't go and just nothing happens. Yeah. So, it's, uh, but now I kind of like understand what they're trying to do, why, you know, what they're trying to set up, why they couldn't get them on the ground. Mm. And what's in danger. And also before, when they're on the ground, I kind of don't know 100% what's, when they're in danger and when they're not. I yeah. still don't because we've only been to two classes. But... Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. Two classes, sure. Yeah, but it's... Uh, but like separately, you've gone to more classes and I've gone to different classes too. Yeah, but that was like six, seven years ago. Just recently, we restarted it. Okay, not for me. Mine was just like a year, a year and a half ago. Yeah. We have rekindled our passion for a <laughs> ground yeah. game. Yeah. And also, now I know, because before, when everybody does jiu-jitsu, it looks the same thing. When one person mm -hmm. does armbar versus the other person does armbar, it looks like, like they're just as good. Whereas now I can see the little detail. Oh, this person is way smoother and yes. way more, uh, like has way more leverage. And like it's, it's, things look similar, but then they're completely different. Yeah. You just use a very detail based. I, I really admire it's like an art, even like just watching the technique is so it's kind of beautiful to watch. It's kind of like messed up because it's like combat sports, but like, it's so cool. Like, I think it's really cool. It's in, well calculated, too. It depends on the person. We'll get to Adrian Sterling later. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, but... What a waste. The third fight was Gilbert Burns versus Hamza Chimaya. Did you yes. watch this fight? <laughs> of course. Why are you even asking? This is why we purchased UFC in the first place. Okay, what do you think? Well, it's like action packed for sure. Um, like I, I don't know. It's so nice to watch. Yeah, I, ah. <laughs> it's just too good. It's too good. Like if you didn't watch it, you must watch it. Like even just the highlights, it's just too good. Yes, action packed comes out. Chimaev just ran after Gilbert Burns the whole time. Pretty much. He, he dropped him first round, and he gets dropped the second round. And they finish all three rounds. Yeah, it's, it's a nice exchange with, from both of them. Like, you could really see the strengths coming out from both sides. But then, like, obviously, the better one comes out in the end, and it's Chimaev. 
<laughs> the better one. Right. Yeah. Well, Gilbert Burns is number two. He's good. You know, um, just just this fight coming out is just like, well, what is Chamayev thinking of? You know, can he really um, follow through with his word? He wants to kill everybody. Like, <laughs> he really followed it. He really he he went by his word and he followed through. So I don't have any doubts with him. And also, what what number is he? He jumped from like. I, I can't remember. But it, yeah, the, I don't the, know. The ranking kind of doesn't matter, though. It They're... doesn't matter, but like it kind of can tell, like where he's at in his career, because he's he's now he's ten and zero, and now he's eleven and zero. So he hasn't been fighting that much. Yeah. So and he he only started like five six years ago. Yeah. So he's like so new. Like, how could he have done that? Kind he of has. Thing? 11 fights in MMA in total, but he only yeah. has four fights in the UFC. Yeah, that's what I'm no, saying. Nobody had that big of a jumping competition mm-hmm. in the history of UFC. So from that aspect, it's impressive. Although, like from a person who's into striking, their striking is a little cringy. <laughs> it is a little bit. It is a little bit messy. You're right. They're just like so sloppy swinging over the place there's no technique no strategy no nothing just going after each other well i started noticing that more in the second like the first round was pretty good like they're fresh you know fresh from being um rested and like sitting out but then when they got to the second you could see like in the middle of the second round they're getting quite fatigued and it's got just it just fell apart it's just like all messy yeah, so what's what's most impressive is their toughness and their will to keep on going. Mm-hmm. But then their technique is not very impressive. <laughs> and what's, oh. what's, what's the most disappointing? Like not very disappointing because Hamza Shimaya, like we said, he's like starting off new. It's like very impressive. He can get where he's at today in such a short mm-hmm. period of time. But what's disappointing to me is that he, he doesn't use this transition from striking to takedowns because mm-hmm. his strength is in takedown. I don't know why he doesn't try to combine the two, like hit two times on top and then take down or mm-hmm. faint takedown and then kick up or something, you know, like he's just, when he's wrestling, he's only wrestling. When he's punching, he's only punching. Like the, I think the mixed up punching and takedowns is more effective and more exciting for me to watch at least that's yeah. what habib does yeah but chamayev is not habib i think he's like he's like you said trying to find his style and the way you know he he also wants to be known in the ring and like or in the octagon so like all of this stuff it's like comes into play yeah um but it's also an experience thing. He gets yeah. overexcited. Most, yeah. a lot of fighters go through this. They either lose or they get a close to loss situation. And then they learn a lot from it. And they, they, they become a way better fighter. It's not guaranteed. So we'll see what happens with him. But this is a great learning opportunity. Because before this fight, every single fight, he just finished the opponent in like under a minute or something and it's he, very easy could, yeah i could see he was trying to do that in the beginning actually that's why in his interview he said that it was really tough for him to fight gilbert burns and so i think that like he like you said is is a learning opportunity for him so he might rethink his strategy for the next upcoming fights fights that he has yeah if um like when when you win easy, there's not much to learn. As as you know from taking jujitsu class, when you try to perform a technique on your opponent, if they don't give you any resistance, you could be doing it wrong the whole time. You wouldn't know. Yeah. So that's uh, what happened with him. And but then now, with Gilbert Burns punishes his mistakes, now he has more tape to look back on and fix uh, to fix his mistakes. Which yeah. again is not guaranteed because 
you know, people are emotional and people are like, most of the time they cannot look at their own mistakes objectively and they don't want to admit like they do things wrong and they're fixing it. Also, they get into a habit of doing things, even if they know it's wrong, they can't change it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's not guaranteed, but this fight is, even if he lost, is as close to a win as he can get. Uh, even for Gilbert Burns, even though he lost, like he didn't really lose. He he didn't get knocked out. He gained more respect, more fans yeah. all around. Even Dana White, like usually you get a win money. I mean, you get show up money and you get win money if you win. For mm-hmm. this fight, Dana White gave both of them win money. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, so basically like, there's no loser in this fight. It's a very fan-friendly fight. <laughs> Whether you understand fighting or not, you watch this, you're going to enjoy it. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's why, like, Gilbert Burns didn't take it too much of a, you know, a hit on himself. And, like, you could see it, too, in his interview that he wasn't that bummed out. He knew it was a good fight and he knew it was quite close. So, yeah, also, he um, he he just fought uh, Kamara Uzman, which is number one. Yeah. he lost and he took it very hard. He had to work with a sports psychologist to mm. work through it. He was like, I had to face myself. It was really hard. And then, and then, you know, and then he worked, worked his through. And, and then he was calm before the fight. Even Kermaru Uzman went to his camp to help him. He mm. was like, oh, he's not my enemy. He helped me improve. Mm. So he was in a really good, healthy mindset going into this fight. That's very respectable. Yeah, it I takes think a lot for, for one to really face themselves and the truth of themselves, too. Yeah, and I think that has helped him both in the performance of the fight during it and in handling the loss afterwards. Mm. And, uh, yeah, and Hamza Chimaev, if he fought Kamaru Usman in this form, he would get knocked out. Mm. So it's like really good for him that this fight happened before that fight. Yeah. Okay. So win-win for both. Yeah. The next fight is Arjuman Sterling versus Pyotr Yan. What do you think about oh that fight? God. What a letdown fight. I don't know why <laughs> Sterling was even in there, honestly. I could not like like I could I could understand the whole jujitsu being on the ground thing and his triangle, but like what are you doing with that? Like you were on the ground, he was on the ground for like four minutes straight doing nothing. And like the whole crowd is booing him. Like he and he's and he's acting at the very end, like he actually won that. And I'm like, buddy, you didn't do anything to win that. You just like wasted the time and then wasted Peter Yan's time too. So like I don't know. It was such a lame ass fight, like. What a waste of time. Yeah. So a lot of people are arguing who won the decision. Um, the second and third round or clearly Sterling's rounds because he took his back half of the time. Yeah, I see. I know that. And the fourth and fifth rounds were obviously Pure Yan's uh, rounds because he defended the takedowns and he hit him back. So the only argument right now is who won the first round but then it was like can i just say can i just really note and like how fast peter yan was able to listen to his corner and adjust because like after his corner was you know talking to him and saying okay do this like change this he like really set out to do that and he wasn't even scared to continue approaching sterling i like really respected that yeah he has a very high fight iq yeah you can see it through mid-fight adjustments that yeah. it's like minor. Most people don't can't catch it. Mm-hmm. Like for example, one thing I saw is he throw low kick at Sterling, mm. and every time he throws a low kick, Sterling try to grab the legs and then go for a takedown. So he mm-hmm. figured it out, and then he throw a low kick in anticipation that he was gonna go for the takedown which means he's going to lower his head and then he threw a flying knee right after. Yeah. He actually hates starting with that. It's just because he was kicking on one leg. He couldn't put too much force on the other. There's no I balance. I saw that too though. Yeah. Yeah. He couldn't uh, put too much force 
to knock him out. Otherwise, that would be a beautiful knockout. It looks so nice, though, regardless of a knockout. I was just like, woof, where did that come from? Yeah, nobody has ever done it. He, like, mm. essentially improvised it on the spot. Mm. And it's, he did a similar thing last fight. I don't know if you saw it, but he fought this, like, taller uh, white guy with tattoos. He did a spinning elbow into a hook. So he spin around with an elbow. As he finished spinning, he used the other hand to throw a hook. No, I remember that. Yeah. He knocked him down. Mm. That's like, again, like nobody has ever done that before. And then this mm. the kick into flying knee thing, nobody's done before. Like he's very good at reading the fights. And then he's like kind of known for this. He always loses the early rounds. He just walked the, them down, see what they have. And then he makes the reads, he adjusts, and then he wins the later rounds. Mm. But in this case, he lost the early rounds too hard and he couldn't make the adjustment to make it up for the later rounds. I mean, I, I thought he did like, so the first round, I feel like I, mm. like it is Peter Young. Uh, I'm not sure. I, wasn't you know i wasn't trying to score it so i don't remember exactly but to yeah, me i don't either but i felt i just i remember him striking more so but to me it's like just all of that is just going too technical it's it's irrelevant to me sterling's fight style is shit it he's, should yeah it, sh- it shouldn't be encouraged yeah whether he technically wins or not he should lose yeah because that's what i'm saying like he 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 fine he did takedowns whatever sure he had his back at one point but he did nothing like there's no damage like nothing and even when peter yan was on his back he was still like landing shots from from in front of him which is like Mm. like wow he's making more damage still with being on his back being on the ground than sterling was Sterling, like, I don't know. Just want to let down. Poor guy thinks he's uh, he's the man now because he won, but sorry, yeah, on, Sterling. When he was on the feet, he was running away the whole time. I know. I, like, I, was, I was like, why are, are you running away? And yeah. I was watching the fight with my mom, and mm-hmm. my mom was like, he doesn't want to get hit. Yeah. But then I was like, yeah, you don't you don't want to get hit when the person trying to hit you, you run away. When the person is doing nothing, you don't run away. What are yeah. you doing? You don't want to fight. Yan Yan had control of the whole octagon the whole time. I have I have appreciation for defense and dodging and all of that for full work. Yeah. I yeah. like Floyd Mayweather. He's like one of my favorite boxers. That's that's what he does. But then yeah. the difference is. He dodges when they, the opponent th- is throwing punches, whereas Pierre Young wasn't doing anything. He was just walking, and <laughs> Sterling was running away. What the hell was that? The pressure was just quite forward. And then when he took Pierre Young down, it was his game. Oh, he's like, you know, that's when he has the best, uh, most advantage, and he did nothing with it. Again... Yeah. I appreciate grappling. Like, yeah. But then that's, he just, but he wasn't grappling. He was holding on to it. He was, that's what I'm saying. That's, you know, his style is, yeah, I hate his style. I, I hope they change the rules somehow to make people who fight like him lose. That's yeah. A, it, well, it's kind of like in jujitsu. If you're down on the ground for too long and not doing anything, they're going to, stop the fight and then make you restart like why isn't it like that in ufc you can be on the ground for four minutes in the same spot like no damage like i don't understand that back in the day in jujitsu there's no time limit people stall for two three hours yeah but but there's a time limit on ufc but then now because it's so boring people wouldn't watch it now they change the rules of jujitsu that I think within three minutes or something, if you don't get submission, you're going to, you lose. It yeah. doesn't matter how long you be in a good position for, if you don't get submission. So everybody has to, are forced to do uh, something, advance yeah. position and try things. 
And now it's more exciting and more people are watching jujitsu now. Exactly. Because I after when after we started, even yeah, after we started jujitsu, I started watching jujitsu fights and to see what it's actually like, what's the format, whatever. So then I learned about this and I'm like, why isn't the UFC like that? Like, like this, huh. anyways. I words cannot describe how disappointed I was. Because I was really looking forward to Peter Yan. What's the time he got disqualified for something? <laughs> yeah, they had they fought one time last time. Yeah. And uh, Sterling, so the game, the, the rules is you cannot knee a down opponent. And then te- oh yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah, and technically, if Peter your Yan, hand, uh, like- your hands and knees are on the ground, you're down opponent, even if you're not like flat down. And yeah. Sterling was just knee on the ground and he tried to, he used his like tip of his fingers to touch the ground to not get knee. He was like playing the rules of the game. And then Pyotr Ayano's knee him in right in the face. <laughs> <laughs> and then people, well, like, like it's obviously people think that Peter Yan is playing dirty, which he kind of, I don't know, it's borderline dirty. And it's also like, I kind of understand where he's coming from now. Like, I don't know. Yeah, well, what the, I think most people didn't get this. They're like, oh, he did it intentionally. I think what happened was he was just watching Sterling's fingers. And then mm-hmm. at one point, Sterling lift out, lifted up his fingers. So P- Purian thought, oh, based on the rules, it's not down opponent. So he need him. But mm-hmm. then the rules says if both of your knees are on the ground, you're down opponent regardless of your fingers. Mm. I think that's the confusing part he didn't get. That's why he need him. Mm. There's no reason why he would need him for any other reason because he was winning that fight. Even if he does nothing for the rest of the fight, he would want. Mm. Unless he would really was like emotional. He got frustrated. He's like, fuck this and just need him. Yeah, which, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know if he, exactly if he was playing dirty or not. But he doesn't he look... Would. He doesn't look like that type of guy, though. He looks like uh, he can kill somebody without feeling much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but he's like a tough guy. Like, it's, it's, it seems like he has no emotions. So like, yeah, he, part he of it is like, okay, I get it. He might actually do that for no reason. But yeah, he said that he learned fighting from the streets. There's, yeah. there's one time uh, he had a world champion or some type of boxing match. And then the night before that match, he went to the bar and fought somebody else and broke both of his, of his hands. <laughs> yeah. He and, don't care. Okay, did he talk about this before? Peter Yan is also Russian, but he, I mean, Russian, but he's also Chinese. Yeah, you told me, but I yeah. don't know if that's I don't true. know if we talked about it on this, on our podcast, but like, does he look like Chinese to you? A lot of Russian people look Chinese, so... Oh, okay. I don't well, know. Yeah. Because yeah. um, my mom, the first time we were watching Peter Yan together, like my parents and I and my brother, my mom was like, oh, this guy's Chinese. I'm like, what? No, he's Russian. And then I looked it up. I was like, oh, shit, you're right. He actually is part Chinese. I just thought that's cool. Because, you know, I'm with Chinese guy. My Chinese guy Whoa. looks mixed. Whoa. I think you kind of do, though. You kind of like, Yeah. You're not the a lot of uh, like uh, like brunette uh, Russians look close to uh, Mongolians. Mm. So if they're like mistaken for Mongolians, it's like I think it's uh, it's a common mistake. But uh, yeah, anyway, so the last fight is Alexander Bovnovsky. Alexander the Great versus <laughs> Korean Zombie. You know who Alexander the Great is? Uh, he's an explorer. He is the um, essentially the first king of United Kingdom. Mm. He, they were before him. The UK was like many scattered uh, little countries. And then he didn't unite it, but he's the f- person who started it. And eventually his grandson united the whole United Kingdom. Interesting. 
I learned that from the TV show The Last Kingdom. Pretty good. <laughs> TV recommendation, TV show recommendation. Yeah, but it's pretty weird though that uh, Alexander Ovanovsky is Australian. I don't know why he named himself after a UK king. That's what I asked you. Yeah, maybe there's some tie uh, with the UK and Australia that I don't know of. I don't know. I'm not that deep into geopolitics. You're not that deep into geographics. <laughs> GPS. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, but uh, he just wiped the floor with Korean zombie. Uh, he was not in danger in any part of the fight. He just, you know, he destroyed him. Uh the fight was supposed to happen between him and Max Holloway. Oh, damn. I miss Max Holloway. It's been a while since I've seen him. Yeah, and Max Holloway pulled out because of the injury. That's oh. why they filled Korean Zombie in. He wasn't supposed to get a title shot. He wasn't, you know. Mm. Um, but that just shows. But then he's outside of those two. The Korean Zombie was the next in line. So that just shows to you how big of a difference between Alex uh, and Max Holloway is like above everyone else. Yeah. There's like outside of Max Holloway, there's nobody that has even like hoped close to beating uh, Alexander Wawanowski. The last person that tried was uh, Brian Ortega. He got beat up bad too. Yeah, I can't even remember that fight actually. Oh my God. That was a great fight. That was a fight of the year. Did we watch it together? I don't know. We probably did, and then I forgot because then it's been quite a while now we've been together, and then we watch almost every UFC fight together. Yeah, there are, there are many UFC fights, good ones too. Also, there are a lot of good boxing matches too that are happening. Yeah, actually, Garcia was fighting the same night at the same time uh, Chumayev was, right? Who? Garcia. Oh, yeah, I think so. I didn't watch yeah. it, but I yeah. think so. Yeah, there's a bunch of people. Aerospence is fighting. Uh, Triple G fought. Not familiar uh, too much. Uh, Canelo is going to fight. We know Canelo, yeah. Tyson Fury is going to fight. Oh. Like, it's, you know, just... And next UFC fight is uh, Justin Gaethje and... Uh, yeah. And uh, what's the champion? I forgot champion's name, but he's a Brazilian guy. A tall, tall, skinny guy. Could be great fight. They're co-main. Yeah, Charles Oliveira. Yeah. Co-main is Rose Namajunas. Yeah. You no, know, highly good fights are. It's a great year for uh, fight fans. It's a great year for UFC to go public. <laughs> yeah, I wish they were separated, but that's a separate issue. Yeah. But anyways, anything else you want to add? No, not too much. Just going to start the book that uh, um... So since you have started jiu-jitsu for two, two weeks, how do you think doing jiu-jitsu changes the way you watch fights? And how do you think because of watching the fights, how it's going to change the way you do jujitsu now? Yeah, I think we've like touched on it earlier, but like just understanding now what the whole point of takedowns are, you know, what position uh, is more dominant when they are on the ground and like where or how they're trying to advance. And then for me, it makes me want to do jujitsu more, especially with, at, like during class when we start rolling, like, I want to continue advancing, advancing to the next move. And I continue like wanting to um, get to a submission, but I don't have all the tools in my tool belt yet because of course we just practice the move during class. And then I'm trying to practice the move when I'm rolling, my opponent knows what I'm going to do next. So it's just like, I'm at the point where I want to just learn because I get so frustrated in class that I, it's not productive for me. So yeah, that's where I am with uh, jujitsu, and yeah, just like learning from other people too. Like small 
things that someone has tried over and over again, to hear them tell me that like tip. Um, and then for me to use it, it's like a big help because you know, they've been through so many scenarios where they're trying to do something and they can't do it. Then they find a little tweak as in like, maybe their wrist, you know, needs to move a little bit a certain way or their feet or like their hips. Anyways, I just want to be smooth. I want to be, I want to be good. <laughs> yeah. You know what, what I was you... thinking? I was what? thinking during, um, uh, when Sterling was on Purian's back for like yeah. three minutes, he was laying there and yeah. Purian was laying there too. Although he tried things here and there. I was wondering, mm. is there any coach around that could give him tips that makes him get out of the position? Like, how come he's not going to, like, why elite fighters don't know how to get out of the position when they can just walk walk into any jiu-jitsu gym and ask around and, you know, and, and learn it? Or is it that once they're in that position that he was in against Sterling on his back, hmm. nobody could get out, you know? Yeah. That's what I was curious about too. Like, is he really locked in? So what's the point of locking him in? If not, neither of them can do anything. Like I was bothered by Rogan's commentary because he's like, oh yeah, like Sterling really got him in that, you know, number four or freaking like, I'm just like, okay, hey, but he's not doing anything. <laughs> like, shut up, Rogan. Just shut up for a minute, please. Yet, Peter Yan, breathe. <laughs> yeah. What about you? What do you mean? How how do you feel about jujitsu, or what do you want to do? And yeah, um, yeah, like I used to get very excited to learn new techniques. I'm like, oh, I don't know how to get out from a bottom position, so let me learn how to get out from here. Let me learn how to get out of the mount and all these things. But over the time I watch UFC and learn jiu-jitsu, now I understand that it's more of a two-people interaction. There's no one solution. You got a, a lot of great uh, jiu-jitsu coach I watch on the YouTube, they're saying this. One person asked them, oh, what, what would you do to get out, get out of a uh, mount? And then mm -hmm. their answer was always depends on what the other person does. He does this, I would turn this way. He does that, I would turn that way. You know, it's just like a thousand variations. And that's only one movement. But then if the person tried to do this and that, then I would do this and this. There's like unlimited combinations. Mm -hmm. So now I kind of gave up on trying to learn uh, one great technique that can solve all problems. I just accept this is going to be a long, slow journey of learning thousands yeah. and thousands of things and you still don't feel like you don't know shit <laughs> that's the thing is that yeah that's true it's unlimited and you can be so innovative like people come up with their own moves that work so yeah that's that's like why you see a move that works and you try to mimic it it don't work with you yeah sometimes it's because you don't do it well or sometimes it's because the your opponent is not reacting the same way that his opponent did. Yeah, exactly. Because everyone's body is different too. Yeah, so the ocean of the possibility and your reactions and what you could do is, is too big. And it evolves every second. Yeah. Like, oh, you're supposed to do this, but then they turn uh, in a different angle. Now it's, all of the options are completely invalid. You got to try you know, the other set of options, which yeah. makes it frustrating to learn, but then makes it more enjoyable to watch because you don't know how the interaction will work with each other. Mm. And striking is a, a lot simpler in that sense. You sort of know, especially in boxing, you just, you know, they're going to throw hands. There's nothing else. <laughs> yeah. But in jujitsu, there's like turning a spinning and trapping the wrist and the arm and the leg and like you we saw some very beautiful jujitsu uh on this uh, last card with uh chimayev and burns with 
Mackenzie Dern mm -hmm. with even Korean Zombie against uh, Alexander. I don't know if you saw, but Alexander, yeah, yeah knocked him down and then jumped on him. And Korean Zombie was very quick and smooth in turning the hip and turning uh, like the legs. And then he just got out and stood up. Even after getting rocked when he wasn't thinking straight, it was like so, it was a really smooth looking uh, Jiu Jitsu transition. It was nice. But yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, having said all that, <laughs> don't be normal, be yourself. We'll see you on the next episode. Bye bye. Bye bye.